Today, the Below Average Joe's MMA Show presents the Weekend Preview. We're talking UFC Paris for the first time. The UFC go to Paris, France, where two titans of the heavyweight division will square off and perhaps share a shoey afterwards. Mm. Just underneath that, the Reaper makes his return and looks to claim another victim. Also, we're talking the House of Mouse as Demetrius Johnson once again proves to everyone why he's one of the best in the world. And finally, we have a ton of fight announcements with the time off, including Bellator releasing all their fights for the rest of the year. All of this and more, and it all starts right now. Welcome back, everybody. And welcome back to us, right? I mean, I guess it's... uh. Not been too long for you guys, hopefully, because you've hopefully checked out the content we had put out there over the last week. Uh, if not, go check it out. Verbal sparring, mm-hmm. big hit. And then we also unveiled our new addition to our catalog with Cage Side Rewind for UFC 240. Mm-hmm. So make sure to go check that out. Show it some love. Give us your feedback. We definitely want to see the feedback. What can we improve upon? What it worked? Would really appreciate that. Um, but for us, it's been a while. I mean, we we've yeah. not been here for about a week together, so it's been too long, Dominic. But we're back in a big way. We had a lot of stuff pile up during the time off. A lot to cover here. Some stuff that maybe is a little old now. But hey, better late than never. How are you right. feeling now that we're strapping in getting ready to go it feels good to see your sexy face back on my computer screen live and in action on this wonderful wednesday evening or thursday when you're watching or listening to us i'm ready to get into it there's a lot to discuss a lot to go over plus the ufc making its first ever appearance in paris as noah mentioned in our lovely intro it's a big weekend for mixed martial arts for the mixed martial arts leader in the ufc it's a big week to be a ufc fan an mma fan from all that's been going on and we're going to get you all caught up on it on today's weekend preview i'm doing great noah how are you doing as we get into episode 233 233 a great great episode is what i feel going to be me and dominic have been longing to get back here in the studio to really give you guys that preview once again it was a tough weekend off college football started so that was what i had to replace it with i went to the casino by myself i hit big for like the first time and probably the last time ever (laughs) can't wait to lose all of those winnings by betting it all on college football and mma this weekend right but uh doing well right now dom everything's good um but i don't think anybody cares about that you know what i think people care about dom what i think they care about points bet sportsbook I know I do. Sports Bet Sportsbook. If they don't, they should because they are the official betting partner of the Below Average Joe's MMA show. Right now, if you go to the description of today's episode or if you follow us on our Below Average Joe's MMA show Twitter or Instagram at the Bajma, yes. the B-A-J-M-M-A, 
and go to the uh, bio there. It will take you to a link where you can sign up today and add sign up on your initial deposit. PointsBet's going to match it 100% up to $2,000. Oh, my goodness. This is free free money, people. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the tagline I saw one time from PointsBet was live your bet life, and I just Ooh, love that. So I do. I make do. sure to check that out. There's also another way you can do this. If you want to just go ahead and download the app right now, you can download the PointsBet Sportsbook app, and then you'll just have to type in the code MMAJOES at yes. sign up. And once again, the offer's there. So make sure to check that out. We love Points Bet Sportsbook. Shout out to them. And with that, UFC Paris, Dom, let's start with our main event. Paris. In our main event will be Surreal Gone coming off of his title fight losing performance against Francis Ngannou to start our year. Still the number one contender as it stands right now. And he's taken on... Bam Bam Tai Tui Vasa, one of the fastest surging guys in the division. What a run it's been for Tui Vasa. He's been taking names, knocking motherfuckers out left and right, and downing beer out of shoes every step of the way. Yeah. So, Dominic, we have an interesting fight here because even though it's number one versus number three, the odds say there's a gap here. So, uh. real gone, minus 550. As it stands on PointsBet Sportsbook. All of our odds, by the way, for the UFC event here come from PointsBet Sportsbook. And then Taito Ivasa at a plus 400 right now. So you evaluate this matchup. We, You even said it in our verbal sparring episode, not to spoil it for anybody wanting to check it out. But Dom predicted that Surreal Gone will be a champion this time next year. He said that even last year. Yeah. So obviously you think very highly of Surreal Gone. So I'm curious, do you feel like this line is equal to your thoughts on this fight going in against Tuivasa? I think that's exactly what this minus five fifty is saying is that I think the bookies, <clears throat> I think the MMA fans, hardcore and casual alike, if you've seen Surreal Gone fight, I think you just see this elite skill set that you don't see much. With heavyweight fighters, I think it's that simple. Now, I say all that, and he's coming off of a loss where he did have a glaring weakness, essentially, that was exploited by Francis Ngannou. But that's the key word, or the key words, Francis Ngannou, because I don't think, no, that Cyril Gan expected Francis Ngannou to go in and grapple after Cyril was besting him on the feet, let us not forget. And I just don't think that was part of the game plan for Gan. I think that that more so played the biggest factor uh, in that loss. But I'm not trying to make excuses for him just because I like the guy. I do think he's still a special talent. It's been a long time off, uh, nine months nearly, uh, since his title fight. He's coming against Tai Tuivas, and I love nothing more than the story of Tai's career. He comes in, starches three guys. He looks amazing. Coming out of Australia, New Zealand type area, loses three straight, on the brink of getting cut rumored that he even was cut at one point that's still kind of murky water i don't really know what Mm. happened at that time since then tallied off five straight wins all of them via kotko this dude is on a mission and if you would have told me a year ago that taitu ivasa is going to be headlining in paris against the frenchman's real gone and if he beats him he gets a title shot i would have said you're crazy but here we are sitting here uh, going into the month of september i think it is a fascinating fight though because again these lines are telling us that there is 
an elite mixed martial artist going up against someone that shouldn't be up to par with him, right? That's kind of what this line is saying. But Ty, I do think, is better than what he gets the reputation of being. He's known as this power puncher that is just going to go in, swing and bang, and put you out. But I think he is a better mixed martial artist than that. I think he can put up a harder fight here against Surreal Gone. Noah, talk to me here. What are you seeing? I get a little nervous anytime a line is this wide for a heavyweight fight. I recognize what the bookmakers are seeing. I recognize what the perception is. I see it with my eyes. I have the same thoughts. So Rilkan is skill for skill, a much more complete mixed martial artist than Tai Tuivasa. Yeah. Even though I be- I agree with you <clears throat> that Tuivasa has more than just uh, a couple right hands or whatever yeah. to knock out. He's much better than that. But so real gone is a very complete fighter outside of, of course, that glaring weakness, which I don't think will be an issue for him here. If I'm being honest, um, right? I know Tuivasa has said his wrestling is better than um, people realize, but I don't know if he's going to necessarily go for a takedown, get it, and then yeah. be able to hold uh, Sorogan down like Ngannou was able to. So. I do get nervous with the line, though, because with heavyweights, you just don't know. You know, you guys hear this all the time. Obviously, in the sport of MMA, anything can happen. Look at what just happened with Leon Edwards, Kamara Rusman a couple weeks ago. You can be down, like, as much as can be in a fight. You can land the right technique, the right punch, the right kick, and you win. It's all over. It doesn't matter what happened before. Especially at heavyweight. That's even more true. So it seems like people who his only loss was Tenganu in his career. And that loss was via decision. He's never really been in too much danger. Even in the Nganu fight, when the fight was standing, he was getting much better of those exchanges against Nganu. I mean, just a superb striker is surreal gone. So when this fight is standing, <clears throat> it is going to be interesting how that goes because Tui Basa has great power, but if he's not able to find the range, get inside and find that punch, I don't think he can hold up with the technique or speed of Surreal Gan. Surreal Gan right. is an extremely good athlete, too. Um, it is an uphill battle for Tai Tui Basa, but I just get nervous about a line like this. Like, this is hard... If you are someone who is willing to kind of put something out there, like I'm not going to say, I would predict Cyril Gaon to win this fight. And I think he's going to make it look pretty similar to how he did against Derek Lewis, if I'm being honest. But mm-hmm. as a betting man, you have to be tempted to put something on Tuivasa because we're dealing with the heavyweights here. Right. So I love Ty Tuivasa's run he's been on. I mean, truthfully, there was a part of me that almost wanted to see him get a title shot off the win over Lewis just just because, you know. Right. Just just because I love I love the shoeies. I love it all. I think yeah. he is great. But this might be his ceiling, truthfully. Um I'm not sure if he is 
got enough to be a heavyweight champion. You know, I can't really imagine him winning a fight against Surreal Gone or Francis Ngannou or even guys like Stipe or John Jones. Yes, I know John Jones still not made his debut at heavyweight, but still, I would put him in there. Yeah. Even a guy like Curtis Blades, yeah. it's a tough fight for Tuivasa, right? So, obviously, he has the equalizer, but I think it's going to take more than that to win this fight. He's going to have to show us something he has not shown yet. If that wrestling is truly as developed as he says, you best start using it. Because yeah. I don't think if this fight stays standing for very long, I think it's going to become quite a clinic for Surreal Gone, if I'm being honest. And I... I love Surreal Gone, but it pains me to say it because Tui Vasa has been so much fun to watch over the last couple years. Yeah, like if Surreal Gone can, you know, avoid <clears> the power <throat> of Francis on the feet for, what, two and a half, three rounds, then it, it does make you really wonder how's Ty going to close this distance, not to mention a six-inch reach advantage for Surreal Gone. Surreal Gone, too, like, uh, well, see, I, I caught myself there because offensively on the ground, we've seen him have a lot of success. He's gotten takedowns. Mm-hmm. He's gotten submission wins. It's that defensive part that I guess we still need more. We, we just need to see it more. We saw it against Francis. No one expected it. Now can we just see it more consistently? Is it an actual hole? Was it more of a game plan? Oh, we weren't expecting mm-hmm. this type deal. Um, so I think there are questions to be answered for both guys. <clears throat> and I think it, it seems clear that should Ty win at six in a row, he probably does get a title fight next. Again, there's a lot up in the air. John, Stipe, uh, Francis is injured, his contract, yada, yada, yada. It's just a drama mess up here at the top. But it does feel like Ty, even if he has to wait a little bit, I feel like he really does earn it with a win here. What do you think, though, for Surreal Gone, being with all this crap going on at the top, if he beats Ty, yes, it's great. He's going to still be number one, but he is in a tough spot because he's lost to a champion, because of other guys that are just – around him and just again john holding a what seems like a very large shadow over the top five and the title contenders what do you think is kind of on the line for gone as compared to ty because i think it's pretty clear for ty yes it is very well it it is clear for ty but at the same time it feels like i really don't know what's at stake here right now like i want to believe that that's what's at stake yeah I think for Tui Vasa, there would be quite a push to give him that kind of shot. A win over Surreal Gone. If he knocked out Surreal Gone. In Paris, by the way. Yeah. I mean, they may even decide, hey, you know, if Stipe and John can't. I I think right now John's on board. I think Stipe's kind of the one that's just living his life. He's a full-time firefighter. He's a dad. He's grilling. Yeah. He really doesn't seem to care. (laughs) But I I think the UFC, what they're really wanting to do right now from what it seems I've heard out there in the MMA space is I think they really want to try to get Nganu to come back in December. That's what I'm seeing. But, yeah. But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, yeah. I really don't. And then that leaves a question like, okay, if Stipe isn't really that committed to the fight, if he really isn't going to budge or sign or whatever to fight, I mean, if Tui Vasa comes in here and does knock out Surreal Gone, I think it'd be very tempting to put him in a fight with John Jones. That would be nuts. Isn't that crazy to think that? <laughs> Couldn't even imagine it. Yeah, yeah. What if Ty Tui Vasa was the first man to legitimately defeat John Jones? I mean, what a story, right? Mm-hmm. But for Surreal Gone, because that was what you asked me about, 
he both is and isn't in a tough place because his fight with Ngannou was very competitive. Yes, yeah. I think since the last three rounds were heavy Ngannou rounds, you kind of that's your lasting thoughts on the fight is like okay Ngannou. Although I seem to remember some people thinking based on the scoring criteria that maybe Gan should have got the nod, but I thought Ngannou kind of won the fight three two. But the mm-hmm. first two rounds, I mean, he was Ngannou was getting pieced up by yeah. Surreal Gan on the feet. Yeah. Did not, was not able to land any of the heavy shots. I mean, he did have the knee injury, of course, going in. But um, I think for Surreal Gan, there, there wouldn't be a ton of pushback to give him a second shot if Ngannou is the guy holding the belt when it's time to do it. Um, I'm just not sure if a win over Tuibasa, since it's so expected, Unless he comes out here and does something really remarkable, um, I think it's simply a win and maybe one more before he's looking at a title fight. But that could all change, Dom, because you're right. There's just so much uncertain right now. I mean, for all we know, tomorrow we're going to wake up and they're going to have a, a fight announced for December and keep it. Jones and Blades or some shit, or Ngannou's all of a sudden fighting one of those guys in December. I mean, you just don't know. Because it just feels like the fact that we're not hearing a lot about it right now outside of just the whispers around the community tells me that the UFC are really trying to work on something and maybe trying to keep it hush-hush. Um, it's just, it's 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 tough to really know what's at stake here, but for both these guys, no doubt they're looking at it like, I need a win to get another, or a title shot. That's that's what they're going in here expecting, and I think for Tui Vasa, that holds more true in reality, but I think for Surreal Gan, he is not far behind. Not as far as people want to act like he is. He could, he could win this fight and then get a shot again at Nganu, and I think that would be fine, justified, because, I mean, if Jones really doesn't come back, or whatever, if Stipe doesn't come back, I mean, who else gets the shot? Like who? I mean, Curtis Blades is another guy, but like to me, Surreal Gone, Everybody knows this dude's a legit talent, one of the best the heavyweight division's ever seen. Don't think they two against putting him in another title fight. Yeah, and I'm just gonna be honest, and this could be more of a discussion for Monday, so I'll keep it relatively brief. But should Surreal Gone come out here and win? The idea of him fighting in December, first and foremost, is not outlandish because he fought in June and turned around and fought Derek Lewis in August last year for the interim belt. If he comes out here and can convincingly beat Ty, there's nothing. I haven't said this in a while, no, but there's not a fight that tickles my fancy more, maybe in any potential matchups that could be made to finish the year than Surreal Gone versus John Jones. Give me that all day and inject it into my bloodstream and veins. But he's got to get through Tai Tuivasa. So, again, that's more of a Monday thing. But just keep it in mind because it could be a conversation in a couple days. Yeah, I I agree. I'll have a great question for you if that shall happen. But, of course, got to get past Tai Tuivasa first. We will move on to the co-main event. That, and I mean, what what a top tier because in your co-main event, you get Robert Whitaker, the Reaper, also coming off of a loss in a title fight for the second time to Israel Adesanya back in February, the following pay-per-view. He's back on Marvin Vittori, who we have not seen since he defeated a bloated-up Paulo Costa back last November. Hell of a uh, that fight. fight ended up being at, like, what, 205 pounds, <laughs> obviously originally scheduled for 185 
follow. I don't know what was going on there, but Marvin Vittori, he weathered the, not the storm of the fight. He weathered like the storm of the build up to the fight. Yeah. Dealing with all this zaniness of Costa, the weight changes and is he, is he not going to fight, whatever. And Vittori put on a hell of a performance, a hell of a bounce back after what was sort of a deflating loss to Adesanya. You know, he really was fired up for that fight, and it kind of came out flat in the end. So Robert Whitaker, pretty decent favorite, oh, minus 230. Yeah. Marvin Vittori, plus 85. And interesting enough, Dom, these two have never fought. They both have been in the UFC for a long time. They both have worked their way up. They've they've had some adversity. You know, Whitaker's starting in a lower weight class. He finally gets his footing at 185, goes on a run, becomes champion, deals with a lot of injuries, has some great fights with Yoel Romero, loses his title in one of the biggest uh, gates, or not gates, one of the biggest attended MMA events ever without Asanya. Marvin Vittori, not quite the same story, but a guy who's really had the scratch and claw to even get those big fights that he was looking for, you know, to even get that main, first main event spot with Jacker Manson back to, in 2020. He had to be like the second replacement after two different guys fell out. So for you, when you look at this fight, I know you're a big Robert Whitaker fan too in this fight. Not that you don't like Marvin Vittori, of course, but um, for these two guys, like it seems a lot of people, again, riding with Robert Whitaker here. Um, what would Marvin Vittori need to do to sort of even this fight out and make it more of his to lose? That's such a really great question because truthfully, like it, this is almost like as if Marvin <clears throat> is fighting Izzy again, but just not as long, not as an elite striker. But, you know, Robert kind of does have a similar vibe in which the way that he moves around, the way that he counter-strikes, the way that he just has a very strong fight IQ. So, you know, if you're Marvin, I don't want to say dummy down, but in a way, you're fighting a dummy down version of Izzy, Izzy uh, in this fight. So, I mean, Marvin's obviously always looking to get the takedowns and use his grappling and his great ground and pound and submissions. Not so much against Paulo Costa. That fight was basically on the feet for five straight rounds, mm-hmm. and he outstruck Paulo to get that win. It was a hell of a fight. So, in this one, though, does he really want to go tit for tat on the feet with Rob? It's only three rounds. I, I, both these guys are just so durable, so tough. They win by decisions. They hardly ever get finished. Um, I mean, if you combine these two together, they've had eight straight fights go the distance. Seven of them have been five-round fights. These dudes have gas tanks for days. They're not going to go anywhere in a three-round fight. But what can Marvin really do? I mean, if he pressures forward, I, I feel like he's going to have to get Robert not only on his back foot, but all the way to the fence to where he can clinch Rob, maybe then he can use his strength because I do think physically, although Rob looks yoked right now, he's talking about ending his career at 205, by the way, I saw this week. Marvin Vittori mm-hmm. is very big, very big, very strong dude. So r- rather than putting Rob on the back foot, you got to put him all the way into that fence, use that clinch work. Could even be super clinch heavy where we don't even see it on the ground, but Marvin can still win there in the clinch. So I don't know if it stays at distance, you have to go with Robert with his in and out movement, with his kind of the picking of his shots with his jabs, with his straights. I mean, he's just so good. His oblique kicks to the legs are nasty, too. Marvin has a lot to watch out for in this one. So it is an uphill battle. Plus 185 to minus 230 does make sense to me. Does it to you? 
Let me tell you a hot take I have right now. So okay. my hot take is that I think that in the way I perceive the top two fights here, I think that I view Robert Whitaker as a bigger favorite than Surreal Gone. Oh, interesting. I don't know. That was kind of a complicated way to word that, but you get what I get I'm it. saying. I got you. Yeah. Basically, to me, with he- the heavyweight factor is a big thing in the main event for me. Of course. No doubt, Surreal Gone, complete talent. Taito Ibas, a great fighter. Not sure if he really has it in him to finish a guy like Gone. Here, Robert Whitaker. I know he's got two losses to Adesanya, but against anybody else, this dude is a beast. I mean, yeah. just so good yeah. everywhere. And the biggest problem for Marvin Vittori here is he is a guy that's going to want to wrestle, is going to want to get in close, clinch, take that fight down, use his strength. Robert Whitaker's the best anti-wrestler in the UFC, perhaps. I mean, has this guy ever really been taken down in his yeah. career? Like, he is yeah. so good at being on it just at all times he's moving around very well like you said never gets caught up on when do you ever see Whitaker up against the fence you know I know even in the Adesanya fights like he's very good at holding the middle of that cage um I think this is a tough matchup for Marvin Vittori not sure if it's worse than the matchup with Adesanya I mean I'm I'm not sure like if I view Whitaker the same way you do when it comes to like looking at him like a like a a B version of Adesanya, but I will say that the Whitaker that's fought since losing the title has been a much more technically mm-hmm. just proficient striker and does use his distance very well. He has that great combination where. What is it? He throws like the right and then the high kick behind it kind of thing. I yes, mean, I love it's beautiful. That. So he he's just an I think Robert Whitaker is one of the fighters in the UFC pound for pound. Yes, I know he doesn't have a title. I know he's lost twice to the champion, but that just shows how good Israel Asanya is. Marvin Vittori, this might be another hot take. I think Marvin Vittori is a future middleweight champion. He's but great. I just think that I just think that he might be like one of those guys like a Blahovich or um, or um, a Glover Teixeira who sort of benefit from a just long-reigning champion leaving the division and then he's able to sort of rise to the occasion and become the best fighter. As long as Israel Asanya and Robert Whitaker are at 185 pounds, I don't think anybody in this division is really going to get through either one of them. Um, Alex Pajera, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. But that's why I just have a hard time seeing, you know, that's why I asked you the question. Cause I knew it's a tough question. Like what really is Marvin Vittori's path yeah. to victory? You know, I know in the Polo Costa fight, the striking looked great. You know, it looked really good. He led a lot of power behind it, but yet you look at his uh, finishes and his career, he's only got two wins via KO, TKO. Yeah. So um, kind of like how Paulo Costa gets a lot of credit for his power, but I don't know if he's ever flatlined anybody. He's only right. TKO'd people. And, you know, even like against Luke Rockhold, he wasn't able to put him away. So I think Vittori gets a lot of credit for his strength, for his physical build. But I'm not quite sure that the the the, the punches are going to be powerful enough to make Robert Whitaker find him in a situation like he did against Joel Romero or even round three 
of the Jared Cannonier fight. I just yeah. don't see that happening. I don't think Vittori is diverse enough of a striker. I don't. I think it's pretty much one-two punches for him. I don't see a ton of mixing it up. And I just think Whitaker's going to, as long as it's standing, I think Whitaker's going to have a pretty breezy time. And then I don't really see a takedown happening. So I think it's a tough fight. It's a great fight. Hope Vittori can show a little more than that, especially if Robert's about to leave the division. It'd be nice if Vittori could maybe kind of firmly plant himself as like the second guy right now. But Mm -hmm. it's a hard one for me right now. I got to be honest to see Vittori getting the win. I agree. I agree. Very interesting evaluation of those two fights for us. You know, I'm so excited for both of them. They're great fights. But I, I, and I don't like to give predictions, you know, that never goes well. <laughs> yeah. Um, we get, we get bets on this show and look at how that's turned out for me. So, but I just, I can't help it when it comes to the discussion of these fights. Like both feel pretty clear in my head. Now, the great part about it, that probably means something's going to, something's going to be amiss here. I yeah. mean, this is a big card, massive in Paris. You know, how will that, factor in right it's going to be a very just what's the word like a hungry crowd like a crowd Mm -hmm. that's just super excited to have mma there and the ufc to be there oh yeah um i think that that's gonna play a factor for sure but i don't know what to what extent that'll play you know yeah couldn't set it better let's get into a little bit of recapping actually uh we're gonna talk about one on prime video one yes <laughs> so the main event of that card demetrius mighty mouse johnson gets the knockout of adriano Moraes. he avenges his previous loss to the uh now former uh one flyweight champion he gets it done in round four three minutes 50 seconds in now dominic i want to ask you about one on prime video one as a whole first were you able to check out the card you know, what were your thoughts on the presentation on just moving to Prime Video? Like, how did it feel? Did it feel like it was a, a success for the first run through? Yeah, from what I got to see, which was more specifically geared toward the ending and when mm-hmm. they brought out the main event, it was all well and dandy. They've always had a pretty solid presentation from the few cards that we've dabbled with and watched. Even like when they're on YouTube, it's a really solid presentation. But now to do this in American Prime Time, on prime um is is big because it seems like everybody has amazon prime these days on top of all these other streaming services if anything this is the tip of the cap i or the tip of the iceberg i think more streaming services can branch out and get into mma in the future but what do i know maybe that's just a business endeavor in the future (laughs) but uh i i think it's a big deal and i think it's something that they need to continue capitalizing on because again that what makes it hard for us to follow one is obviously that they're over there and I, we can do all the research and watch old film and stuff, but to be really up to date with everything that goes on, it's harder domestically here with, you know, they're 12 hours ahead of us. They're not on the, uh, in prime time, they're on at like 3 AM and whatnot. So if they want to become more global or just market this demographic more, this is a step in the right direction. And it's, you know, at the forefront of it, is Mighty Mouse Johnson someone that a lot of people know from his greatness in the UFC? Um, so, again, we know that one is huge over there in Singapore, in Asia. But them dabbling over here, 
giving us a little taste of what they can present with the Muay Thai, with the kickboxing and stuff that they do, and MMA with title fights and whatnot. I think it is the start of hopefully something special if they really continue at it, which one, uh, you know, we talk about PFL here, like in terms of the domestic big leagues that like to innovate and try things. One has done this in the past too, where they do experiment and they try. Remember the TNT deal, for example, Mm -hmm. that was a, I remember when they announced that it was huge. We were literally watching them on cable television. So they're not afraid to go out on a limb and take a chance. I like what I saw here. And of course, Mighty Mouse gets the win too. What do you think about the presentation? You probably got to see a little bit more of that card than myself. Yeah, I did start from the beginning with the card, but I, you know, like I'm like watching it, but it's kind of in the background a little mm-hmm. bit up until like the main card, really. Um, I let me start by saying I think it was a pretty. I don't know if it was on accident or um, it just so happened to fall in this direction, but. Thought it was a genius move to do it on this night because Thursday the right this was a Friday so the the night before Amazon Prime date or Prime Video debuted uh, their Thursday night football broadcast with uh, Kirk mm-hmm. Herb Street and Al Michaels so bet you got a lot of subscribers yeah yeah for that. And then for the people that are still there, because obviously football is like king here in the in, in America. So then I think maybe that would have helped them because, of course, you know, one has a long way to go with the American audience. And, yeah. Um, I thought from a presentation perspective, it didn't look too different from what you normally see from one. But that was probably a good thing because yeah. I think one does a really good job with their presentation. I think their commentary team's very good. Um they get a little, they're a little um, dramatic sometimes for my taste, which is kind of a weird complaint to have about sports because sometimes the drama is the best yeah. part. But yeah. to me, it's like everything is the biggest, the best ever. And um, it's almost to the point of like a self-parody. Like I've heard people compare it to like they almost are like parodying like MMA sometimes Mm -hmm. and um, I don't necessarily love it like I don't love when like when everything is being told to you as like the biggest the best ever the biggest fight ever this is the biggest move ever this is the whatever nothing really ends up feeling that way yeah you know that's that's something that I that I think I've even talked to you about before Dom because you you know in the past I think it over time since we've been doing this longer and longer it's gotten better but like you know you admitted like you're a guy that gets impressed pretty easily like you're mm-hmm. just so when it comes to what the ufc did when they build a card like we used to always our buddies and me we used to make fun of you for like anytime a card yeah. had a few good fights you're like this is the best card ever yeah. so like there might have been a little bit of that when we started the podcast and i remember i would just be kind of like you know maybe don't make it sound like it's everything's like the best mm-hmm. not knows where i mean you weren't like that on the nose with it but you know, if, if everything feels like a massive, huge deal, then nothing really will. And you want to be able to sell that to the audience when it really is the biggest ever. Like when a Connor fights Habib, it should feel different yeah. than when, you know, uh, what's a what's an example? I mean, when Usman fought Edwards, like, right. don't get me wrong, great, both great fights. And one of them probably more for our kind of fandom than the other. But I'm just saying one should feel bigger than the other, right? So right. Um, I guess 
that's kind of my thoughts on the presentation aspect. Thought it was good. I think it's a great move to go to Prime Video. Prime Video making a big push here as of late, obviously with sports. Thursday Night Football should be good. I mean, Kirk Herbstreit, Al Michaels. I mean, that's a great duo. Yeah, Excited yeah. about that. Uh, but for this event, the fights were good. That's what matters. And I will tell you, they, they I was worried because I don't know if you were seeing some of the drama behind the scenes in the lead up to the the fights, mm-hmm. but. Um, we had a lot of fighters that missed weight um, mm. with the. I, I again, I don't really know ones. Um, the hydration tests. Yeah, so they do hydration tests, but it's not really clear on how legitimate those are. Um, they don't. I don't know how it works exactly, but I've seen a lot of chatter about it. Um, there were a few fighters who missed weight. But then they had like a few hours to, again, weigh in again and have their hydration level at the point that it needed to be. Adriana Marais was one of yeah. those fighters. And instead of having another weigh in like on, you know, uh, that was documented on video, they just kind of came out and said, yep, everybody made weight. Everybody was in hydration. It's all good. <laughs> I mean, maybe yeah. it was, maybe it was, yeah. but it, it, maybe it wasn't. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm glad that the fights got to take place. They were good. And this main event, Mighty Mouse getting that win, he deserves just, I mean, tons of praise. It, I was glad to see he was getting all this praise um, on social media. It was his night. It was really his weekend. In terms it of did feel that way. Yeah. And I'm glad that he got that because... This is one of the best MMA fighters ever, but one of the best UFC fighters ever. And he's just never quite got his due. He was the initial UFC flyweight champion. He was a very long-standing champion. He has the record for most consecutive title defenses. But he never really was able to to appeal to the fan base for whatever reason. Yeah. He never was able to cross over and become a big star. A lot of it might have been because of the size, um, the 125-pound weight class for whatever reason, especially a few years ago, was just like, I mean, the UFC considered getting rid of the whole thing, I think. So um, it's so weird how the Bantamweight division, which is only 10 pounds more, is like the best division in the company, but then 10 pounds less and people are like, oh, I don't want to watch these fucking little people fight. Yeah. It's like, what? Still happens to this day. Yeah, so I'm just glad that he was able to get this moment. And as for the fight itself, I mean, what an interesting fight this was to watch because I thought Marais was on his way to a decision victory, if I'm he being honest good. with you. Yeah. He looked very good. I think Demetrius was having a very hard time with the size. I mean, let's it's face crazy, it, guys. dude. So yeah. their, their flyweight division is actually 135 pounds. They made that change, I believe, with the hydration test. So all their weight classes are like 10 pounds more. Yeah than what the UFC have them as or any other MMA promotion in America. Um, Marais looks like he could fight at 145 Dude, pounds. he's massive, yeah. And Mighty Mouse is a clear 125-pounder. I mean, he fought at Bantamweight for a while in the UFC. It was not near the fighter he was at 125. Yeah. And I think that definitely had an impact on him. Like, he was struggling to find the shots to, to really... He was it was competitive, but it felt like Marais was just one step ahead. And man, that finishing sequence though. Mm. I mean, that was beautiful. The video that Demetrius posted, it was like poetry in motion. Yeah. I mean, what a just 
exceptional fighter it is. And, I'm, and I feel so grateful that I get to live during the time where he is showing us his greatness because he is phenomenal. It's great to see him get that belt. And I think this sets up a massive potential trilogy bout, whether you do it immediately or you do it down the road. I think Marais is an awesome talent. I, I, I think that guy doesn't get enough credit either. Like, I think he could be a real big deal if one is able to kind of have that kind of crossover. But um, this was Mighty Mouse's night, and he looked phenomenal. Yeah, and what I'll say, too, um, is that what it felt like to me, and it kind of just clicked as we were discussing it more, because I couldn't quite put it into words, I guess, over the weekend. But when Demetrius won that, like you said, it felt like his weekend. Everybody was talking about him, Instagram, Twitter, like that's all we saw. And I couldn't help just feel like, all right, you guys got sick of him when he was on this historic run, 11 title defenses. That picture with all the belts is still one of the hardest fucking pictures in MMA history that he has. And then, you know, he goes off into one. Nobody even really talks about him. And it felt like when they did talk about him, it was when he lost to Adriano Marais the first time, not when he won the flyweight tournament that he was in to start his career yep, there. Yep. But then all of a sudden, he gets right back on track, gets this big <clears> finish, and everybody's talking about him again. It's just like, I, I felt good for him that he's getting this shine and he's back in the limelight. But come on, guys. This this dude's been doing this for over a decade now. So it's like, where you been this whole time? I don't know. Yeah. It's just a, a little disappointing, but still great to see him at the top of the sport for that weekend it was great the finish i think said a lot too because being with the size difference it didn't look like his shots were having the effect that you know marice would have but then that right hand and then he finishes him with the knee of his own grain it was on the ground it was in the clinch kind of positioning but still the way that he did it was great Mm -hmm. it was just amazing to see him back on top 37 years old now too best buds with henry cejudo i mean holy shit what a full circle (laughs) career for a Mighty Mouse trilogy is going to be big. Hopefully that's what they do. I think that's what one will decide to do. Yeah, that was a good point that you brought up about just how the, the fan base sort of switched up once he was gone. Yeah. It's, it's like, or just you, you like you re- forget about it. I think I they know. don't, I think they don't, I think a lot of people didn't realize what they had until he was gone. Thank you. you yes. Know, that's the um, praise. Not that like, I'm sure the UFC would love to have him, but at the, like still, but at the same time, I don't know if they're losing sleep over it. Like, I don't know if he would ever really be the kind of impact in terms of financially that they would really lose sleep over it. But they pride themselves on having the best fighters in the world. Well, he clearly is one of the best flyweight in the world may not be in your company. I'm just being honest with you. So yeah, it's, um, it's definitely like, I, I get what you're saying with like that disappointment of just, why did it take this long? Because yeah. as great of a finishing sequence as it was, as good of a fight as it was for him to come back like that, this dude, I mean, the Ray Borg finish, I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, I mean. Like, this, that yeah. finish was incredible, and it might, not, it might crack the top five of his wins. I mean, he's... This dude's been doing exceptional stuff yeah. forever. So And he's an I, awesome human being. Yeah, too. I mean you're, he's the kind of guy you want to root for, of course. Yeah. And you know, yeah. there's no slight on Marice at all. It's just uh you know, it's Demetrius. It's Mighty Mouse, man. I mean, come on. Yeah. He's special. Yeah. Uh let's move on to some more recaps. This is gonna be for two weeks worth of contender series, Dom. Yeah. <clears throat> so we got of course uh last Tuesday and then the Tuesday that just happened. Um, 
it's going to be a little hard, I think, for us to remember week five. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I kind of hate that, but at the same time, like, that's, you know, these are all brand new fighters to us most yeah. of the time, so it's a little hard to remember. But I guess for we'll combine both weeks here, and let's kind of ask you what stood out from both weeks, whether it be one, a fighter, a fight, anything in between. What, what was it? Well, I'll just say this first and foremost. We had ten winners. Right, five fights mm. each week, five and six. Every one of them, all ten winners, did secure a contract. So there you go, week five. There's your shine. I'm just kidding. There were good performances mm-hmm. last week. Three out of five were finishes. Uh, but honestly, like, if, let's fast forward here to yesterday or Tuesday when you're watching or listening to this. Uh, there's a lot of takeaways. There were four finishes, three of them in the first round. Uh, a pretty scrappy women's fight that went the distance. Nothing crazy, but scrappy. But to me, man, I can't talk about Contender Series this week and this season without talking about, uh, I hope I don't butcher his name, but Yusaku Kinoshita with the knockout that he had. He is from Japan. He was in the main event of Week 6, the first Japanese fighter to get a contract uh, on Dana White's Contender Series, a market that Dana kept saying and saying last night after this finish is something like, They've been in Asia, specifically China, though, has been a lot bigger for them. They haven't had as many Japanese fighters, and the ones that they've had haven't quite panned out the way they did. I mean, they once had um, um, Horiguchi, right, a long time ago, but, like, he was kind of on the prelims. I don't know. He just never kind of lived up to what they wanted. He parted his ways. Chapter he, ended, he, right? he got a lot bigger and better with yeah. other companies. You exactly. Know? You know, so now... Dana's like, you know, this could be the one. I mean, he's 20 or 22. They were combined 42, so he's either 20 or 22. Um, but he, dude, his striking is elite. This mm. guy is so technical, so precise. And the finishing sequence, wow. He slipped to the left and let that right cross come over from uh, Jose. Immediately followed with a left cross. Jose's head flew off of his body. It It was one of the most picture-perfect knockouts of Contender Series and really just of the UFC this year. It was just so perfectly placed. And when those type of knockouts happen, it just feels so special. But that kid, it was a tough fight. He, he kind of struggled in round one, finding his shots. He had a little success. Round two, he upped it. And then round three, 30 seconds in, gets the finish. After getting poked in the eye, by the way, it was just uh, it was a lights-out performance. He put jose henrique's lights out that's got to be my biggest takeaway honestly from the parts i remember from week five and all of this past tuesday that's the biggest performance to me it's got to be it might be the biggest standout in terms of a a storyline a a fighter and a finish of the season only rivals for me with bo nickel and bo nickel didn't get a contract he's fighting again in a couple weeks so I, i loved what i saw yeah, Joe Piper also sticks out just because yeah. of what Dana had to say <laughs> yeah. after and, yeah. What, yeah. and what it led to. And I think also because it was on kind of a weak week. He, he was the only series. standout, yeah. Um, I think for both these weeks, it was just great fights all around. Just great performances, were... I guess I should say more than... But the fights were good. The performances were great. The people were really standing out. I remember Cameron Simon. Simon, I think it's pronounced Simon, mm-hmm. from Week Five, looked exceptional. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the standouts for me of the season. You already talked about Kinoshita. Of course, Dana was going on and on about Rabisti. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought Cedric's Dumas. I really liked him. 
You know, he just had he had that all the tattoos. He's got that he was, swag. Yeah, yeah, he does. He's got that it fact. Kind of reminded me of like a Kevin Holland a little Very bit. Very much. You know, the way yeah. he was talking and stuff. Um, Blake Builder, I believe Cage Fury champion coming in here, was mm-hmm. the underdog and got a big win. Um, I think Rabisti was the plus 300 underdog who won. So yeah. um, I just said a lot of things, but the standout, look, it's the elephant in the room. Oh, boy. Yanni the Greek. I think it's time to trash him. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> who am I <laughs> to say no, anything? Like, hey, I'm in the boat with you now, too. Believe me. I can't, no success here. Who am I to say anything about the great Yanni the Greek? Uh, but, man, do I feel for him. Because yeah. Yeah. I fuck up my picks every week, it seems like. And all I'm doing is put is talking about it on here to 170 subscribers. You guys, I'm scared of shit every time I put picks out there because of you guys. Because I yeah. know that eventually, it hasn't happened yet. You guys have been pretty kind to me. But <laughs> eventually, I'm going to start getting yeah. a lot of shit for it. And maybe you guys are being kind to me because you're doing the old fade technique. and I'm Maybe a you're making a money, yeah. But for Yanni, he is... The, he is the go-to guy. He is the UFC's sort of gambling representative on this show. And he's just on the, the coldest of cold streaks. Went 0 for 5 on this card. Dom said he's only went 2 for his last 18. Yeah. Guys, if this is baseball, <laughs> he ain't, he, he's getting put on the bench for a while. So yeah. it's been a tough run for him. And I just feel for him because, like, at one point he's like, we're going for the minus 300 favorite. He's like, we're, it's, it's chalk, but you got, you know, if you cash them, don't trash them, whatever. Whatever he said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's flashing those white teeth, you know. Mm. And then the plus, the minus 300 loses. Like, oh, my yeah. God. I just felt terrible for him. But he, he was getting flamed all over the place. And what I will say to those people, you know, I mean, Yanni DeGreek's a, a millionaire like why am i defending him he can go cry with his dollar bills and the tub and stuff you know but to people talking shit i would just say like give it a try you know i yeah. thought when we sort of started embracing sports betting and once i moved to indiana and could really do that i thought for sure i'd be good at it make money at it and it is not easy it is oh, not I- easy at all it's fun but it's a bitch it's so much fun i'll never stop doing it no matter how much i lose but boy is it stressful (laughs) is it is it just a pain in the ass i mean so i mean even his the main event the kinoshita henrique fight he had over two and a half rounds it went into 30 seconds into the third It reminded me it wasn't obviously as close but it reminded me of my joanna waley bet Oh. That was two seconds away from hitting the over, and then Joanna yeah. gets knocked out cold. I mean, what? Yeah. what I'm not going to even get into it. Hey, that's it's, the it's, thing, though, and I think we've discussed this off recording, but again, we love betting. We love doing our research and digging and finding stuff, but MMA is the hardest sport to bet on, and it is because it takes that one shot, that one flying armbar submission that one yep. crazy moment and it's over right yep. that that is the difference between betting mma and any other sport so it's just it's hard it really is yeah so keep your head up 
to the Greek. Hopefully, yeah. better days are ahead. I expect us. next week. <laughs> yeah, and for us, I hope. I, I you know what? Next week, I'm going to ride with everybody. Picks, and we're gonna we're gonna go down in flames together. We're gonna rise to the occasion. All righty. Everybody's that. talking about. Everybody's talking about. You know, uh, fade, fading them. Yeah. I'm embracing them. All right, I love that. I respect it. Struggling gamblers got to stick together. <laughs> That's facts. Let's get into some fight announcements, Dom, because we got a lot of them. Holy uh, this shnikes. one, I can't believe we haven't even t- like. I can't believe this happened in the last week. Like, I feel like this has been announced for like four months. D- what, didn't this happen like shortly after we stopped recording <laughs> yeah. last Wednesday? I think I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, so UFC 279, of course, on verbal <sighs> sparring. We talked about why it was so thin. Um, and then the UFC decides, well, let's just <laughs> let's kick it up a notch because Kevin Holland is now fighting Daniel Rodriguez on this card in your feature bout. Of course, this is the card headlined by Nate Diaz and Hamzat Chemaev. And then we recently had the co-main announced Tony Ferguson versus the Leech. Very interesting fight there at welterweight. Um, so here, Kevin Holland, Daniel Rodriguez, Dom. Dare I say? I mean, I think I'm probably going to steal this from you, but... Uh, this is the best fight on the card, right? It's the best fight on the card. It it is the best fight on the card. It is such a banger, dude. Like D Rod, first off, my man D Rod. I'm so respect. happy for him. So happy. So happy this spot. for him. You know, like both these guys. Kevin Holland had that slump last year. He's looking great now. He's stopping robberies and shit in the streets. He's fighting <laughs> crime, kicking ass. I mean, this I don't want either one of these guys to lose. This is such a sick fight, though. Like it's super fan friendly. Made the best man win. That's all I can say. It, yeah, that's, it's so great. It's one of those fights that I love and hate because I love yep. that it's going to be a great fight and both guys get that platform, but I hate that someone's got to lose unless know, there's a draw, man. of course. Unless, of course, yeah. Yeah, I, just did, I did the youth thing right there. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, next one, Sean Strickland. This was actually a net. This is hot off the presses. Dom, or not Dom. Dom sleepy when this was happening. Uh, Dana... <laughs> Went to his post by presser from the Contender Series Week 6 and officially said Sean Strickland out of his main event with Jared Cannonier. That's supposed to happen on October 1st. So, Dominic, we no longer have a main event. It looks like that whole fight's being scrapped altogether. There will not be a late replacement to fight Jared Cannonier on that date. Um, how bummed does that kind of make you? Like, how excited were you for that fight? Yeah, it's a, it's a good fight. I mean, it sucks. Sean Strickland was looking to bounce back quickly, by the way, after his knockout loss to uh, Alex Pajera and Jared Cannonier looking to bounce back from his loss uh, to Izzy in their title fight. So it stinks. I wonder what can they kind of do? I know Sean said he has to get like surgery on a, a finger infection, I think is mm-hmm. what he said. So I wonder what they can do for Jared Cannonier right now. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe... I mean, you know who said that he wants to fight two times before the end of the year is Darren Till. I mean, maybe throw them together. They haven't fought, right? I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. Why not if he wants to fight? Something. And you could still make that a main event, too, if you really wanted to. And apologies, that's not October 1st. It's October 15th. 15th. That's okay. Sorry. The reason why I went to look is because I wanted to see, since Cannoneer is not fighting a replacement here, what's going to be our main event, right? I mean, we're yeah. we're not too far away. It isn't, yeah. Are you going to get some, a couple guys to step in or girls to step in here short that on short notice that are going to be headliner worthy? Or 
and I'm going to go ahead and advocate it for now. And I hope Sean Strickland recovers. You know, of course, I, I want, I'd like to see that fight. I thought it was a really good fight. Um, but give my guys Brandon Royval and Askar Askarov the main event spot. Mm, I'd love that for them. It won't happen. But it won't. Right. Give it to them. They might not even be on the fucking main card. I mean, it just blows yeah. my mind. Really, here's your options, though, Dom. It's that or it's. Ira Yujo versus Alexa Grasso, which is also a good fight. Those are both good fights, but... Yeah, dude, I'm being serious. Like, if Darren's straight up about wanting to fight, that's... I mean, Wait, what, he, what, okay, sorry. When I was looking that up, I must... I think I missed that. What were you saying about Darren, too? Darren said he wants to fight two times before the end of the year. And this is, what, six weeks away? Seven weeks? I mean, if he's in camp right now with Hamzat, I think you do it. I think you do Darren Till, Jared Cannonier. Save the main event, and then if he wins... He literally said, I want to fight twice before the end of the 2022. So if he's serious about it, why not? And he can catapult right into the top five again. I mean, I think that's what they should do. I think that's what he should advocate for. But I'm just talking head. So. You know, I don't know if I love it. I mean, don't get me wrong. That'd be a great main event. It'd be better than what we might be facing as a main event. But, man, I, I kind of want to see Darren take a step back. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. I don't know. I I'm conflicted on it. I'd be excited for it if it happened, but um, I'm just not sure if the Cannoneer fights what I what I foresee for him next. But admittedly, he is kind of a big he's he's kind of a big deal, you know. So yeah. it's hard. He probably gets paid a good amount. It's probably hard for UFC to really um, for it to make sense for them to put him with the guy lower on the totem pole right now, but. I'd love to see Roy Val Asker. I'm just saying, guys, I get it. It ain't gonna happen. You know, they the flyweights. I don't know the last time that we had a flyweight. I was just wondering that. I, it was uh, Figgy Moreno one probably. Mm-hmm. We had back to back flyweight main events to end True. 2020. I mean, what a time. Yeah. But as far as like fight nights, I mean, you could have Whoa. done Askarov Car France as the main event in Columbus. You could have done yeah. that. Yeah. So Askarov Roy Val probably won't, but. You know, maybe you give Mike Jackson, Pete Rodriguez the main event spot. I don't know. All right. Bellator's on the list. Anyway, so, oh, no, uh, I skipped one. <laughs> so, uh, four-day four win MMA, first reporting. I can't believe this one we haven't talked about. I feel like this one's been and, out there uh, for a month. This is Dan so Hooker. Dan Hooker coming back to lightweight after that one-fight stint at featherweight, and he's taking on Claudio Puelles. An interesting matchup. Didn't see this one coming for Claudio. But I'm actually very happy that he's getting that top 15 opportunity. And also, I think it's an appropriate semi-step back. I mean, Claudio is still a killer jiu-jitsu ace. But it's a lot different of a matchup than a guy like Arnold Allen or, I mean, who else is there? I mean, a lot different than Islam, a lot different than Dustin Poirier. So yeah. for Dan Hooker, this is the fight. To, it's a prove-it fight. It's a oh, nut-up yeah. or shut-up fight right now. And I think that's just going to make me even more interested in it. And guess what? This is New York City, baby. UFC 281. November 12th. That card's great. Especially (laughs) unbelievable, dare I say, if they get Poirier Chandler signed on the dog line. Yeah, yeah. That would be insane. Hey, that's a good (laughs) fight and a big opportunity for Claudio Puelles, by the way. If you don't know him... He could make make a name for himself there. That's his opportunity. Yeah. So I'm excited for that fight. It's just that it's so interesting. I mean, I almost feel like it benefits him to fight a guy like Hooker who's got those long limbs but kind of a mm-hmm. thin frame. 
yeah. um, to maybe catch a knee bar or something early. He has two of those, I believe, in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Dan Hooker, man, if he can keep that fight standing, he could make it look really good as a, like a comeback fight. So All right. I agree. I will tell. I think a lot, I think stock is really low on Dan Hooker. So I'll be interesting to see where the line falls on that one because I think Ooh. Dan Hooker may have more left than people are giving him credit for. But that's not to say Claudio Puelles is like a stepping stone. He's I know, it's like two spectrums. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next one, like you mentioned, Bellator, Ariel Helwani first reporting. We got a, I mean, we got a ton of fight announcements from Bellator, but we're going to group. Yeah. They're separated here a little bit. So yeah. We're going to talk about Bellator 288 first. I mean, Chicago, Illinois. I mean, some things might be a brew in there, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll yeah. hold off. But yeah. uh, we will finally get to see that rematch between Vadim Nemkov and Corey Anderson, the finals of our light heavyweight Grand Prix. That the refinals, yeah, the re, <laughs> the refinals. Yeah, uh, Vadim Nemkov still your champion. Of course, the first fight uh, looked like Corey Anderson was on his way to a pretty dominant win, and then he, while in a takedown, kind of. Accidentally headbutts um, Nemkov with like five seconds left in the third round. Unable to continue. I think it opened up. Then it caused a pretty big gash. Isn't that why it stopped? Wasn't it? Like yeah, a, it was pretty bad. Yeah, it was like a cut. I think that kind of stopped it, but becomes a no contest because of that. So now Corey Anderson's got to dig deep and go for it again against a guy like Nemkov, who was starting to kind of get that respect from guys like us as being like. This guy might be one of the best light heavyweights in the world. Yeah. And he's fighting for Bellator. Corey Anderson went in there and made it look fairly easy in the first fight. You know, what what kind of mentally, like, how do you kind of replicate something like that a second time? Yeah, I think it is going to be very hard mentally for Nemkov to come in with a clear head and look at this as a whole new fight because... When you are when you're the champion that looks so dominant and then you are kind of getting handled, but you get to keep your belt because of what happened. That's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of just mind games. I got to feel like they're doing this in Chicago, Illinois. I don't know if Corey fights out of there now, but he is from Illinois originally at some point in his life. So that kind of plays into like what's Bellator doing here? You know, are they are they investing into Corey yeah, now? Trying all to of a get sudden? the the homecoming. You know. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, don't get me wrong. If Corey wins, that's a phenomenal story. His career never got to do it in the UFC. Comes over to Bellator and he's looked phenomenal. Vadim, I still believe talent-wise, is one of the best light heavyweights in the world. But he can he get it done in the big, the big moments in the biggest fights against mm. the best opponents? That's what we'll have to have answered there in that one. And Noah, tell me about that co-main. Yeah, yeah. So there's the second title fight on here, the lightweight title, the Tricky Pitbull. Looks to make his first defense. Here's how about this for a name? I love talking about this name every time. Can you think of a more scarier name in MMA than Usman Nurmagomedov? I mean, yeah. this guy, of course, Nurmagomedov. You know, he's one of the he's one of Habib's bros, and yeah, uh, yeah. he is. I mean, just one of the fastest rising guys in Bellator. Very surprised actually when I saw. He was getting the title fight. For some reason, it just... I, I know he's earned it. Like, he should be there. But with the way they've matchmaked him, even when he's been ranked, what, number five or whatever in their, in their rankings, like, he's been fighting mostly unranked fighters. So that is why this is really interesting because he's looked phenomenal. 
yes. truthfully, he hasn't really had that kind of opposition, high level opposition. Patricky Bibble, high level Has. opposition. <laughs> yeah, of yeah. course, he's the champion. I know a lot of people like to kind of downplay how good he is because Patricio, his brother, is sort of the more successful of the two. But Patricky is a phenomenal fighter. Um, he is looking to make his first defense of that title, really trying to carve out his sort of career separated from his brother. And it's going to be very, very interesting. I think that is, God, that fight feels just as big as the main event. And I, I mean, that main event's huge. So, I mean, that's a great doubleheader in Chicago, I think. Oh, it's sick. Yeah. That, that's the, if there's one positive to Bellator doing less cards, it's that they always have like a title fight. Not always, well, but most of the time, it feels like they know, have something big, you know? Yeah, you know, it, it, they do, but then at the same time, sometimes when they have these cards, I'm like, <laughs> I know, yeah. Why don't they do more? Like, it feels like they have like a pretty, like, I don't know. I, I'm not they sure. Ha- they have a big enough roster to do more cards. They I do. feel like, yeah, like a lot of their fighters don't fight that many times a year, <laughs> I feel like. You know? I know. That's why we struggle to really get any of them into sort of that, that Joey's discussion is just because. Yep. We tend to like people. We like the activity, right? You know, you're, you're right. if you're looking at fighter of the year, you're typically fighting three times, winning three times at least. At a least, year. yeah. And you know, most of Bellator's rosters fighting like twice a year, which if that, I yeah. can't say is like like I'm not saying that's a bad thing for them. That might be good for them, but as a fan, you just you want more from Bellator, right? So um, I'm looking forward to that card and. Hopefully I'll be uh, more than looking forward to it. We'll say, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll say November 19th. This one's going to be, it's going to feel like the smallest of all these. Dude, my (laughs) excitement's just as high and it's Jack Shore coming off the first loss of his entire career to Ricky Simone taking on Kyler Phillips. That's a guy we haven't seen in a while, but no doubt. These are two of the brightest and best that, the bantamweight division has to offer. I mean, Jack Shore is ranked number 15, but for Kyler Phillips, the guy who kind of was ranked for a little bit at like the 15 level, he's that guy like right on the outside looking in. Very high level matchup here. Um, I don't know what to expect. It's happening on November 19th, by the way. Probably should mention that's the day after Bellator 288. What a weekend we're getting there. So Mm -hmm. um, your thoughts on that fight? It's high level, like you said. That's all it is. I think Kyler Phillips is super slept on, underrated, maybe because of the types of fights that he's had. He has had ups and downs. Not the most active. He's had layoffs. And he's just not in the rankings, right? And Bantamweight is unfucking believable So it's hard mm-hmm. to think about guys that aren't in the top 15. Uh, but that's a big fight. Jack, too. You know, we've talked about the mental side for Vadim. You know, mental side for Jack Shore. First career loss. He did get finished in that fight quite decisively against Ricky Simone. Can he bounce back? Can he keep in, you know, that dog pound of the Bantamweight division? Or will Kyler welcome himself back in? He steamrolled his opponent, by the way, back in February. So, mm-hmm. that that is a such a tactical fight, dare I say. Did you think Kyler fought in February? I think he last fought on UFC 271 Man. prelims, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Oh, yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. now it's ringing a bell. For yeah. some reason, I thought it had been like a year since we had last seen yeah. him. I was like, damn. I was like, I don't feel like I've been hearing about Kyler Phillips in a while. But, yes, you're right. He looked phenomenal at UFC mm-hmm. 271. You know, when I when Kyler Phillips' name comes up, I only think of his fight with Song Yudong, where yeah. I, can't, I can't remember. was. 
because Song Yudong got the nod, right? He got the yes. decision victory. And yeah. I just remember you thought it was so clearly a Kyler Phillips decision that they said the winner is Song Yudong, and Dom still celebrated. He thought he heard <laughs> Kyler Phillips. And it's yeah. just so funny to me that those names have no commonalities. I'm not even sure if there's a single letter that is the same in those two names. And Dominic was like there's cheering not. his ass off. Wait, is there yeah. really not? Uh, but... No, there's not. <laughs> Whoa. Holy shit. Big brain right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, last one. This is, of course, going back to Bellator 289 in Uncasville, Connecticut. I oh, wait. There's an S. Right. Sorry. It just hit me. Phillips what? ends with an S. Song's name starts with an S. Oh, Sorry. Back no. to Bellator. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. This guy. I make one throwaway gag and... <laughs> I mean... This, this this is Kennedy and <clears throat> Zachikwu territory that we're getting into now, Dom. Anyways, Bellator 289 from the beautiful and lovely Uncasville, Connecticut. Now they're back. Another doubleheader, not two title fights, but your semifinal matchups for the Bantamweight Grand Prix that's been pretty awesome so far, if I dare say so myself. Even without our champion being a part of it, Sergio Pettis, um, I believe even James Gallagher had the, didn't he pull, had the pull from the tournament? Yeah. They had some, there was some, you know, stumbling blocks, as happens with almost any tournament. But your semifinal matchups, Dom, you got the main event, the interim title will be on the line. Hoffman Stotts taking on Danny Sabatello. Ooh. And Apache Mix... Taking on Magomed, Magomedov. I think we got to really focus on this main event. I mean, Patchy makes Magomedov awesome fight. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you saw the clip, right? I mean, you these two making waves. Shout out to these two guys because they know what they're doing. Oh I mean, yeah, oh yeah. So this was, of course, announced, I believe, on the MMA Hour because uh, Ariel had both of them on doing some, like, a kind of sit-down. In studio. In studio. Yeah. He's in the middle. And they ended up going to Morning Combat. They went over to Spinning Backfist and did the same thing. Yep. So these dudes were really putting into work. And I want fucking Bellator to do – I don't know if this was more of a Bellator doing or these two guys. Bellator needs to be doing this kind of shit all the time. What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, I I, we talked about how Bellator just, they, they seem like they just, where, where's the, the marketing, you know? But that's the way. That's the way to get to today's audience. You go to the podcast, you go online. I yes. mean, that could really be their thing where they're making their guys kind of, these matchups go in together and yeah. and have these kind of face-off interviews. It's uh, Face-off interviews are always like top-notch. I mean, mm-hmm. look at like the John Jones DC stuff was going oh. around again. I mean, when Cruz and... TJ, he's like, you can't, you, you got you can't uh, leave. You got to talk to me, dummy, like that kind of stuff. Well, and they, uh, the UFC just did it with Cruz and Vera. They did a sit yeah, down together. That was, was cool. great, great, yeah. great line about the, you know, being ready to die or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's a good day to die. I forget kind of what it was. Yeah. But, anyways, Hoffman stopped Danny Sabatello. Uh, with all the, you know, the fun stuff going on and kind of the promotional side, do you feel like that's raised your interest in the fight or were you already like at a 10 anyways? Uh, if I wasn't, I, I'm close to it now because first <clears> off, <throat> it's just a great fight when you look at the styles of yeah. the way that they're going to go in and do it in the cage. But then like Hafion is my favorite personality in Bellator, like hands down. He, how do you not love everything about yeah. that dude? He He's is great. all energy all the time and he backs it up in the cage. Danny Sabatella went from 
basically a nobody to a somebody in a matter of two fights, and he talks that shit, but he backs it up, man, and I gotta respect it when you're doing both sides of the coin. Now we're putting them together. I mean, this, that marketing-wise, promotional-wise, this could be one of the biggest fights of the year for Bellator if mm. they treated us such, but we shall see. I think it's a they great got a couple start. months. Yeah, yeah oh it's yeah, a great it start is. of doing that. I need yeah. to see more though. I need to yeah. see Patchy and Magomedov going out there and doing that shit. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know if Mag- I don't know if Magomedov speaks English, but you know, also it, a good question. Well, we should definitely be doing more of this. I want to see uh, like Vadim and Corey Anderson do something like that. I mean, that would be great considering the history there with that first fight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With this fight though. You're right. Stott's very natural, likable guy. Just very high energy. He's just a very easy guy to root for. Yes, very charismatic. Interim champion. He was clearly one of the favorites to win the whole thing from the get-go. Danny Sabatello. I mean, what a remarkable year this guy has had. Mm -hmm. If we had, like, a breakout fighter of the year category, he might be, like, the leader of the pack. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people might think that the shit talking, you know, we get it. It's, it might not be all that. It's a bit aggressive, right? It's, may, it's probably not. Well, I'm sure he doesn't walk around all day just at that. Like, I'm sure there's yeah. a bit of a character being played. But what I will say, to his credit, when he was talking in those interviews, I believed every fucking word that he said. That's so he's important. very natural on the mic. And some people might disagree with me on that. They might think it's a little cringy, whatever, that if it's not your taste. You know, I'm one of those guys, like, you know, I've always been able to kind of see through Colby Covington stuff. Even though, look, I have great respect for Colby as a fighter. But what he's doing, excuse me, as I burp <laughs> into the microphone, that's real professional. Uh, but when he's doing those videos, when he's got, like, the models around him that yeah. he obviously paid for. Like, it's just always felt so just, I'm like, it's almost, like, kind of embarrassing a little bit. I'm almost like, ugh. I'm not an MMA fan anymore, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, with Sabatello, I just want to hear more. Like, I just want him to keep going. And then, of course, like, you had the little fight that broke out. Shout out to mm-hmm. Ariel for just, like, jumping <laughs> That in was there. hilarious. Yeah. Uh, it was a great clip. But, um, yeah, that fight is now one of the bigger fights for us as MMA fans for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not if you're comparing it to the UFC's biggest fights, but, like, I can't deny, like, right now, I don't know what's to come with the UFC the rest of the year, but, like, let me ask it to you like this. I I don't know what you're going to say, but here's a hot take, maybe. Um, right now, I think I'm more excited for the Stott Sabatello fight than the Izzy Pajara fight in November in MSG. Ooh. Is that blasphemous? Oh, with the amount of blasphemous shit I said on here, I definitely can't say that to you. But I mean, I, wow, I could see I'm some. People, I could see some people really going the other way on that, and I don't blame them. And for all I know, that fight that I just—I mean, Sabatello's fights haven't exactly been the most fun to watch. You know, it's been pretty grapple-heavy. You know, yeah. decisions, but. Just with that, those interactions that day alone, I watched all those podcasts. I was loving it. I'm like already just, it's one of my most anticipated fights right now the rest of the year. Yeah. Izzy Pajara is a great fight, but I, I think that just to me, like as a, just a hardcore MMA fan that kind of loves everything that we get, 
I've been, I've I've talked a lot of shit on Bellator. I think they're third on the totem pole right now, but can't deny that they really knocked it out of the park with that one. I like that. That's a hot take. I would be interested in people's yeah, thoughts. A, but... I'm sure some people are going to they're going to shit down my throat when they mm. see them. Yummy. Anyways, uh, let's get into the rest. We got a couple more fights to talk about from UFC Paris. Uh, Nathaniel Wood makes his return. Oh. This man is he is staying out of the country. He is he's like America. Uh, give me them international fights, baby. He was in London too back in a couple months ago, or yeah, a couple months ago. Now he's in Paris taking on another guy. Who fought on that very card? Charles Air Jordan. Dude. The, Dude. This is a sick fight. This is, I mean, this is a really good fight. I mean, this is fight unlike, of the night. Unlike the two fights at the top, which are still great, but I kind of have a clear just direction in my mind of how it's going to go. This one, very mm-hmm. up in the air. Very mm-hmm. up in the air because... You look at the last performance for Nathaniel Wood, and that was by far the best he's ever looked. He looked incredible. Who was it that he beat? Um, I forget the Just, gentleman's oh name. Oh God, he put on such a good. I'll look. All right, I'll look right now. <laughs> I mean, it's not that important, but really, it was a great performance all around. He was he one of the unreal. standouts on a card that, outside of Patty and Molly, didn't have a ton of standout moments. So he really benefited from that. He's going up against Jordan, who lost a pretty controversial decision to Shane Burgos, who is now making waves in the PFL. But Charles Jordan, Dom, comes into this fight with a 4-4 four and four UFC record. Well, yeah. So, to me, like, this is a big fight for Jordan. Like, both guys feel like they could be top 15 level fighters for sure, and maybe even higher than that. But... For Jordan, he's got to be able to get the wins together. And for him to go up against a guy who's coming off such a great performance, a great showing that looks like he's gotten even better, it is a great fight. I'm just going to be so invested in that one. Yeah, Charles Wood, or I'm sorry, <laughs> I got the names mixed up. Nathaniel Wood beat Charles Rosa. Um, that was the performance that he's coming off of. And he, he really did look phenomenal in that one. And Charles Jordan looked you know, he, he came out of the gates, I don't even want to say slow, but just Burgess was getting the better of him. But as that fight went on, that dude had the dog in him, right? That's the meme that's still going around right now. And uh, he did arguably win that fight, depending on who you he asked. Doubled, uh, he doubled the significant yes. strikes, I think. Yes, he did. So uh, that that's a great fight. It has fight of the night written all over it. I don't really know <clears> who's <throat> going to win, but I feel like both those guys still have such high ceilings. It's a, We're in for a treat. That's all I'm going to mm-hmm. say. And then this one, I mean, shame. Shame on the UFC for putting this on the prelims. Uh, yeah, this whole card order is a bit <laughs> wacky. Uh, I don't really get it. But. I'm not against any of those fights on the main card. I think they have some pretty solid ones on there. But how do you leave off Nasser <laughs> Dean Imavov and Joaquin Buckley? Now, Imavov is the guy that's ranked here. He is, he is number 12. But I think if you go off of, I think more people know who Joaquin Buckley is and are aware of his fights. Of course, you have the highlight reel knockout from 2020, one of the best knockouts of all time on Impa Kazaganai. But also, I feel like Dom Joaquin Buckley is sort of 
fallen into a bit of where he's becoming known for the less great things that he's kind of had happened, right? Like the he had, he had that guy, that survival <laughs> guy in his corner, which was kind of a weird thing. And yeah. then, of course, the video with Darren Till and Hamzat Shemaev. <laughs> I forgot. I mean, that was just tough. It's tough. Yeah. And I think because that, a lot of people almost are like clowning on Joaquin Buckley, right? They're like, oh, this dude, like, what a joke. But he's no joke in the octagon. I mean, say what you will about some of the, some whatever he's doing, you know, personality-wise. I mean, he might have a bit of an inflated ego of where he is in terms of, you know, company standing but he's a great fighter and he's coming off a really good win over albert durayev who is a guy i was very high on he finished him yes and he's looked really good outside of course the dicharico head kick knockout loss was a tough one but he's just looked i mean he's just very explosive but he looks like he's adding more wrinkles to his game each time out yeah. But he's going up against Imavov, who's not as good of an athlete, but is just a blanket of sorts at times, but is just a very talented fighter. And I feel like Imavov is the more technical fighter, but don't overlook, Buckley could maybe win this fight on his technique. I mean, I really believe that. Oh, yeah, man. But Buckley has very clearly gotten better fight by fight. He's won three in a row, two by finish. No, Well, we did. We had... Uh, him money line to be Albert or I did I did I did yeah we I, I think we, we both I, we hit think that we both did yeah. but like uh, he is getting better and a lot of people didn't think he was gonna he, uh, people thought Durai was gonna steamroll through Joaquin Buckley mm-hmm. Joaquin showed incredible takedown defense more patience on the feet but when he lands he lands like he has bricks for hands and I just think it can cause yeah. problems this could be more upset you know kind of area upset trajectory. What do we got here? Nasruddin scrolling minus 371 to plus 210 for Joaquin Buckley right now. 371. That's kind of a weird number, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying, guys, Joaquin could do it again. And if he does this time, it's four in a row and a top 15 ranking next to his name on Tuesday. So, Well said, Dom. And uh, I'm going to take this time to plug our social media because, of course, this is usually where we would talk about on our recaps. We'll have our... Uh, below average bet slip on here and kind of talking about the bets and what all failed. And (laughs) that's about it. Just what all failed. (laughs) Um, But we actually post these picks now on our Twitter and Instagram every Friday. So if you would like to get those picks early, so you could either ride with us or I get it, you know, fade us. You can do so by following us at the Bajma on Twitter, Instagram at the B A J M M A. Um, if you follow Dominic on Twitter, Instagram, that is at dsleeve 14 You can follow myself on Twitter or Instagram at the new. At That's tr- I saw that. Yeah. Noah Todd Baker. Just simple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was tired of the underscore. I said, you know what? I need a change. I tried. At first, I think I put in like the Noah Baker, and I was like, that is the douchiest thing I've ever done. Let me get rid of that. Let's Save the douchey for the podcast. Yeah. So Noah Todd Baker, it is. Giving my dad, my dad's name in there, you know, a little bit of a shout out, right? So, um, yeah, follow us there. I'm sure we'll be sharing that. Uh, what happened there? Big, Not like big somebody fail upstairs. Big, big Dave went tumbling. <laughs> it sounded like it. Um, so yeah, make sure to follow us there if you want to see our picks. But, Dominic, we only end this show one way and one way only. 
do we? And that's with closing statements. The part of the show where we could talk about anything and everything, likely food related. <laughs> but it could also be MMA or not. Um, I will say uh, it's been a while since we've been, you know, in this. We, we've had a lot to, uh, we've, a lot has happened in the last week. Uh, yeah. We have, uh, I'm going to use the word lightly, but we've sort of went viral on Instagram twice <laughs> now. Yeah, yeah. Especially both for our been, numbers, you know. Both have been for food-related topics. Yeah. Of course, Dominic's infamous, well, both times. I mean, really, Dominic is just using this time yeah. to show what a psychopath he is. I just, I, it's been kind of crazy. He's talking about bagel bites being better than pizza rolls. He got yes, a little more support on that one, which, yeah. I mean, I still won, but it's okay. Right. And then he's talking about how you cook your steak. and he That wants to didn't, eat, yeah. He wants to eat leather. Everybody else disagreed per usual. Right. And I'm feeling pretty good right now. So, Dominic, do you have any uh, closing statements for us on this Thursday edition? I do, but I'm taking a week off from the food debates because I have to talk about how much of a dumbass I am in today's closing statement. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because I decided I don't even want to say it because I feel ashamed and embarrassed. (laughs) I decided... To impulse buy Madden 23. And I want to talk about that because what's the definition of of insanity now? What is Uh, it? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Yeah. So that's me with Madden. Because every year they make the same bullshit game (laughs) every year with no improvements whatsoever. And maybe, maybe I'm maybe egg on my face for two reasons because I'm the guy that likes story modes and career modes and sports games. Sue me. I like the realism. I think it's cool. Madden could give two shits about anything career mode related. And let me add on, they don't care about realism in their game because it is. I, I got people glitching from one side of the field to the other, picking me off and taking it back for pick sixes. All they care about is Madden Ultimate Team and having little Timmies and Jimmies buying Ultimate Packs to build their team and play online. Whereas the guys like me, trying to play a franchise mode, trying to play a career mode, getting getting left in the dust. And I impulse bought it, threw all my money down the drain, and no, I kid you not, every time I play it right here, every time, at least once per session, I go, I can't believe I bought this game. I can't believe I wasted my money on this game. So I just want to know, does anybody else agree with me about Madden and the same thing over and over again with no improvements, but you just continue to buy it like me? Well, to answer that for myself, I will just say, obviously I have not. So I, well, I shouldn't say obviously, I don't know if people notice. I haven't had a game console since 2018. It's been about four years. Um, it's been a, yeah, yeah. It's been a long time. Uh, I kind of miss it sometimes, and then other times I'm like, well, I really wouldn't play it anyways. I mean, you know, we Dominic, you know, I've made some. I'm I'm no different than you. I mean, never forget yes. when I bought Battlefield One. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was that's infamous right there. Yeah, I bought Battlefield One, played it for about two nights. And then I proceeded to never touch it again. Yep. And I liked it, yeah. but I'm just, <laughs> just the thing it. about the thing about me is I'm just I'm not really a first person shooter guy. 
I think that's why I don't have a, a game console anymore. Because I've always been a sports gamer. I've always enjoyed, and I'm more of the franchise mode guy. Yes. I love building a team, yes. being like the GM or whatever of that team, and winning a championship. You know. So when it comes to Madden, the franchise mode has always been overlooked, and I know you feel that way about career mode now. But the ultimate team is where all that stuff, all the resources go into. And I, I don't even understand it. Don't even play it. Never played it. Never will play it. Yeah. Whatever. Enjoy paying your money to get these card packs. I don't. I don't give yeah. a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when it came to Madden, to me, I can't help it. But for 15 years or so, I bought it every year, or my mm-hmm. parents bought it every year. Thank you guys. But yeah. Um, because I simply needed the roster update. I could <laughs> not. Yeah. I understand. I could have just kept Madden 15 for the last four years of having a console and been Gucci, but I couldn't because the rosters would be outdated. I need the yep. rookies. I need the guys that are retired out. I need the realism uh, ex- in the uh, rosters. Dude, yes, yes. I'm so – you understand me as a franchise gamer. I need that. I can't be seeing – if I played Madden right now and Peyton Manning was like a free agent, I'd freak out. Yeah, I'd, oh, yeah. yeah. I'd throw it off the balcony. I'd be like, what is this? Yeah. Get, get it out of my face. So that's how I am with sports games. I probably will be buying a PS5 here soon, and that's because there's a new a new king has emerged for football video games, at least we hope. Oh, I fucking hope so. College football is coming back. NCAA football. <laughs> Please. Of course, made by the same company that makes Madden. So. I know, that's the problem. <laughs> but NCAA 14 is one of the best sports video games of all time. When when As, that game left, Madden hasn't been good since. Dude, I will. I've played NCAA fourteen an unbelievable amount. I will never. That's the dumbest thing I've ever done. Was when I went to get a PS four, I traded all my PS three games mm. and the PlayStation three to buy the damn thing. Yeah, and therefore now it's like crazy value. But I just want it for myself. I wish I could still just play it. Yes. Um. I mean, just that game's incredible, and it's I can one get of the into best it, ever. but yeah. I'll just leave it there for now. But I'd like to hear people's thoughts as well. Um, for my closing statement, i got to talk about this experience I've had with getting an MRI. <laughs> I feel like I can talk about it now that I've, well, kind of got, got it done. So right. I'm going to try to I'll, – I'll do more of a Spark Notes version. <laughs> right? um, so let's put it like this. I got my MRI done finally yesterday. Won't go into the details of why I'm getting an MRI done, but just know everybody, I'm doing well. I'm doing good, but got to get some stuff taken care of. So I I finally got it done yesterday. Um, it had been the seventh time that I had tried to get this MRI done. So you might ask yourself, well, why didn't you get it done the first time? That is a great question. So <laughs> yeah. let's recap, okay? So my doctor's office sends me to the local hospital to get it done for the first time I go, they say you are an hour late. So we won't be able to get to you for like another two hours. I was like an hour late said, I'm early. What is going on here? Something was messed up. Someone either didn't uh, tell me the right. I don't know. Maybe that was my fault, but I, I'm pretty sure I put down the right time. And they said, we can't get to you for like another two hours. I'm like, well, I'm out of here. So see you. So reschedule, 
come back in for the second time. Second time, they say, your appointment's been canceled. <laughs> well, who canceled it? Yeah. And they're like, you didn't? I'm like, no. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, then who canceled it? And I said, that's what I just asked you. <laughs> they say, well, let me call. So they call and they go, yeah, they're not going to be able to get you in the rest of the day. So you'll have to reschedule. Oh, okay. I said, can I get a number that like will actually reschedule me since apparently mm -hmm. that didn't work this time? So they give me the same phone number, right? So I, I reschedule again. I come in a third time. Third time. They tell me that they're backed up. They they, they are falling behind. My, my appointment was at like 5 p.m., you know, like after work. They say they had fallen behind, so they wouldn't be able to get to me for about another hour. Hour and a half, something like that. So my I should have just stayed. <clears throat> but I was like, this is crazy. I said, how how is how is it that I'm gonna be I won't even get looked at till six thirty? MRI is gonna take over a half hour. I'm leaving. Yeah. I'm rescheduling again. Fourth time. Come in. Finally. I make this is the first time I made it through uh whatever patient check-in <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i finally get to the mri office and then i did wait like 45 minutes in the office so i guess i should have just done that the first time they take me back it proceeds to take them another 45 minutes to stick me with the with the iv they cannot find my veins i'm sitting there pumping fists people are sticking needles in me they're missing they're missing they're missing it's hurting like a motherfucker. I'm in pain. 45 minutes later, they finally get it. They had, they bring in, uh, what do they call it, phlebotomist to do it. Like they had to bring someone from the other side of the hospital <laughs> to come stick me. Do it. They go, they're like, all right, let's do this thing. Put the headphones on me. They go to put the headpiece on. Oh, shit. It's not clicking in. Well, why isn't it clicking in? Your chest is too broad. So what's that mean? Well, that means we can't do it. <laughs> I said, oh, really? I mean, it means you can't do it. Okay, okay. Well, um, I'm never coming back here again because <laughs> yeah. obviously this is, this is the end of the road. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it really it's really been six times, but I'm going to include a seventh when they called me a week later trying to tell me that I owed a uh, fee Oh, nice. For no for no showing my appointment. Oh, man. And I went, what do you mean I no-showed my appointment? They're like, for so someone put me down as a no-call, no-show because I didn't get the MRI done. Right. Which, as I just explained, was because it of their equipment not fitting, whatever. Yeah. So I said, wait a minute. They put me down as a no-call, no-show, which was going to cost me like 75 bucks or something. I said, I did it. I was literally the closest you could get to getting an MRI without getting one. Yeah. I'm like, I was, I said, I felt like I wore out my welcome. I was there so long. I, not only yeah. did I show up, I was there for like three hours. Yeah. So they didn't make me pay. So I'm going to include that as a attempt number five, just because that pissed me off. Of course. So then I decide, man, there's one time I my I go back to Ohio to try to get it done. Of course, I'm reuniting with Dom. The shoulders were too wide. Okay, well, this is 
this is turning into quite a fadu here. Yeah. So attempt number seven happened yesterday, and it was an interesting experience, a good one, but not without its quirks. So right. let's start with. I'm going in. So one of the the one of the previous places I the place back in Ohio I'd went to, they told me they had a strict rule. Um, this wasn't the reason it was the shoulder width for me, but they told me if my stomach was touching the top of the machine, they can't do it. There has to be a gap there because someone previously had gotten a pretty bad sunburn or burn from having an MRI done with their stomach pressed on there. So then I'm in this one and my stomach is like completely touching the top, you know, big fella here, you know, mm-hmm. and this dude goes, well, I'm just gonna put a sheet over you, and I'm like, <laughs> okay. That other place seemed pretty, pretty yeah. adamant that you do not do this, but all right. So, where I'm in there for like 30 minutes, take me out, and then they're supposed to stick me with an IV, and then they're gonna put me back in for like 10 minutes. This motherfucker takes about a half hour to stick me. He misses me like five times, but. Uh, there's such a thing in the medical world. It's called bedside manner. Yeah. I'm not weird with needles. I've been used to giving blood here recently. I used to donate plasma when I was younger. You know, needles don't really bother me. Maybe when I was a kid, I probably cried my eyes out every time I had to get a shot. Now, yeah, it's whatever. But there's certain things that I just... You ask me if you're about to stick me with a needle and my, you know, my, my receptors go off. Like that? Why are you asking me that? Mm-hmm. So this guy is checking for a vein in my right arm, which is the only arm that ever seems to work. And he finds one, and he goes, "Oh, did you get blood recently?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I did on Friday." So this was Tuesday. He's like, "Okay, I won't be able to use this one." And then he's feeling around some more, and he goes, "Did they stick you in this vein?" As if no one knows the the actual vein. Thank you, Dom. That is exactly how I thought. I I said, shouldn't you know that? Maybe I don't know. Like you're the expert, not me. So I'm like, no, I I don't know which vein it put it in. And he goes, hmm. He like thinks about it for a second. He's like, well, I'll keep looking. I'm like, okay. So then sticks me a few times, misses all of them. I'm in a lot of pain. I'm getting stabbed all over. I'm having shots just missing the vein. I mean, it's it's a it's a wreck. Goes to the left arm. He's doing his thing, feeling around, right? He's looking for a vein. Still can't get it. Sticks me like three more times. I mean, I am getting, I am literally getting stabbed like over and over again. Like you're in screen. Yeah. So he goes back to the right arm. He's like, we're gonna do this one more time. And then he's moving around, moving around. He goes. Well, I think I'm just gonna have to go for it. Like, with that kind of sigh, I'm like, uh, not very promising, right? Yeah, yeah. So then I kind of feel him kind of like go, and he goes, uh oh, uh oh, what, what's uh oh mean? And he's like, well, it missed and went into your tendon. I'm like waiting for the the next part and he just looks at me. Like he's like, it missed and went in your tendon. 
You tell me, Mr. Guy. What, what does that mean? Uh, he says, are you feeling a burning sensation? I'm like, no. He goes, okay, no, that's good. <laughs> and I'm like, so what does that mean that it went to the tennis? He goes, well, you might experience a little bit of swelling, but you should be fine. Should be fine. Okay. Well, right. Yeah. All right. So basically all in all, I got 75% of a MRI done. Well, I need the other 25%. Maybe I'll update you guys later. But uh, let's just put it like this. I know we got a lot of issues in this country. I'm not going to pretend like my situation is nearly as bad as a lot of people's. But this experience has made me question everything about the medical field. <laughs> Anybody working in the medical field, I hope you're better. Because <laughs> this, this whole experience has just made me kind of go, man. We really got a lot of work to do in this country. So, um, yeah, if you're getting an MRI done, uh, Godspeed. Good luck. And um, I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Slee, where you are just but two of the below average Joes. And we'll see you on Monday. That'll do it.